So as, uh, as Pastor Luke mentioned, we have these booklets for you. You can be, be able to use them throughout the series, we hope. We've offered you some background information um, about the, the book of James that's in your Bible um, specifically um, so that we don't, you know, we're not taking a lot of time to talk about that, but the information is there for you. And then um, every week has a little section for you to take some notes based on um, what the topic for the week is. So you can utilize that, try to make it appropriate size, just, just stick in the cover of your Bible, and hopefully you find that beneficial um, as we go forward the, last, or the next couple, um, five weeks or so. Um, so the book, of, the book of James is sometimes called uh, pro, uh, like the Proverbs of the New Testament because you, you, can kind of, you can kind of see or discern these, maybe these little, I guess you would call them more quippy types of spiritual axioms or sayings, right? And they have, uh, it's, it, it provides um, somewhat of like a, a moral or ethical pathway to the Jesus-centered life. How do we deal with um, difficult circumstances or trials, which is what we're going to talk about today? Or what about the, like, how in the world do I get rain on the, um, the very sharp sword that is my tongue, right? That can do a lot of good, but that can do a lot of bad. How do I integrate, like, my faith in Jesus Christ with conflict, interpersonal conflict with other people, and so on and so forth. And so I pray and hope that it is a, it's a series that the Lord uses to speak into your heart and your life, and transformation um, can be experienced in that. So we're going to be right at the beginning of the book of James. If you're not familiar with the Bible, that's okay. We hope that this is a place where you can learn a little bit more about God's Word. Um, James is relatively in the back of your Bible, right? So if you find Revelation, which most people can do, the last, the very last book of your Bible, and you go to the left, just go to the left, like four four books, you're going to find the book of James. And it's not very long. It's um, it's five chapters. We're not going to look at every single word, but we're going to look at some larger themes. Today we're going to be talking about trials. Not the type of trials that a judge presides over, although you might be able to make that connection. But the, tri- the type of trial that, we, uh, that you may experience in your life, something that you would consider to be um, a difficult experience or circumstance, something that you would walk through. Now, one of the main questions that um, most, most people, whether you're a follower of Jesus or you're exploring faith in God or somewhere, wherever you are along the spectrum, will ask a question that's similar to this is, how, how do we address or how do we frame the significant difficulties of life? Like, what are the glasses that we put on so that we can see those things clearly and in a way that is not really cloudy, it's not rose-colored, right? But is also not um, not just totally fatalistic about the, the the difficult things that we go through. And and what I've found, my both personal experience and my experience of helping others kind of frame the difficult situations of of life is that the search the search for the answer about why am I going through this or why is this happening. Or why am I experiencing this? Even aside from the actual experience, the search for the answer can be exhausting. Absolutely exhausting. It can take, it can take everything within you 
for long seasons of life to try to make sense of what is going on. And what can become increasingly frustrating is that many times, oftentimes, either in the middle or even at the end of this experience, this trial that you're experiencing, you come, you come to this um, very, I don't know, I would say, like, non-satisfying answer that, you know, the world is just horribly broken. But if you, if you can exert for a moment, and sometimes a moment is a season that lasts longer than you want it to, right? But if you can exert for a moment endurance, perseverance, or steadfastness in the middle of a trial, you may come to the point of saying, all right, yes, the world is broken, but God is still good, and it will not always be this way. And that really is, if you, if you distill everything else, or if you distill it all in, down into one point, that is the hope that we have. right? That is what Christian hope is. That is what Jesus-centered hope is. Is that the world is horribly broken, I am horribly broken, but God is fully good, and through his grace and his love, it's not always going to be this way because Jesus is going to change it all. But even that, right, doesn't give us a whole lot of, like, it can kind of feel like, all right, well, what does that mean for now? Because that seems like a, a, a way future promise. And what am I supposed to do in the, the midst of or in the middle of a trial? And I, I get that. And that's kind of where we're at this morning. And um, as I was thinking about the whole book of James and the whole series of James this morning, I was like, you know, these are the, the things that James says and the way in which Scripture um, like encourages us, the direction that Scripture encourages, encourages us to go is good godly wisdom, but man, they are some large pills to swallow. Some large pills. Anyone have a headache this morning? I have an aspirin. (laughs) This is an actual aspirin, or so I've been told, right? For a much larger animal that is standing before you right now. Right? Um, And sometimes... I have a, I was told where this pill goes. I'm not going to say it from stage. Uh, I won't be putting this one in my mouth, though. Um, sometimes the truth of Scripture, right, and especially the truth of God's Word in James, they're just, they may, it, like, the truth solves the problem, but the pill is huge. The pill is monstrous. And so we must be willing, right? We're gonna, there's, there's a couple what I'm going to call large pill alerts, um, specifically in this message and in, in, in the whole series, right? Large pill alerts. We're going to leave these up front for the duration of this, uh, of this series uh, because it takes 
it takes some large pills. We must swallow some large pills in order to um, address some of these significant questions that James brings up. Okay, so are you ready for your first large pill? The first large pill of James is this. When we seize the opportunity that they present, trials can be significant tools that God uses to strengthen and perfect us. When we seize their opportunity, trials can be tools that God uses to strengthen and perfect us. To do something in us and with us that could not have been done otherwise. I can speak from personal experience, and I'm sure you can um, as well, when I say that the most the most significant movement that has ever happened in my life, whether it be emotionally, mentally, spiritually, in my relationships, in my leadership, in whatever, the most significant movement, the times that the needle moves the most, is in the midst of or right after a significant trial. And it can be the same in your life as well. If you seize the opportunity that the trial presents to you and allow the Holy Spirit of God to root you there long enough to teach you the lesson that you refused to listen to when times were good. Let's read James chapter 1, verses 1 through 18 this morning. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be, may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, they should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to them. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because those who doubt are like waves of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. They should not think that they will receive anything from the Lord, for they are double-minded and unstable in all that they do. The one in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. But the one who is rich should take pride in their low position, because They will pass away just like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant, and its blossoms fall and its beauty is destroyed. And in the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because when they have stood the test, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those that love him. And when tempted, no one should say, well, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when, by their own evil desire, they are dragged away and enticed. And then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. 
Do not be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like a shifting shadow. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all that he created. I guess that would be kind of my prayer for us during the series, is that, is that God would give us birth through the truth of his word, would birth in us something new. I want to lay a little, little bit of groundwork before we get more deeply into um, specifically what James said, because, um, because sometimes what happens is... Um, we have a difficult time distinguishing between, uh, actually distinguishing what a trial is. Because sometimes trials are temptations, right? And sometimes um, they're consequences. And sometimes they're neither. Sometimes they're just the thing that God is using. They're the flame that God is using to perfect the impurities out of us, right? So, so let's do, let's, let's make sure we're, we're clear on our definitions here, what a trial is, what a temptation is, and what a consequence is, because they're not the same thing. Sometimes they can be connected, all right? But they are not the same thing. A trial, and the way in which James uses it here, a trial is something that has been allowed by God that when we embrace it can be a significant tool towards our maturity and our growth. That is a trial. That's what James speaks of here when he says to be patient and steadfast, to persevere. Blessed is the one who perseveres in the midst of the trial. When they have stood the test, verse 12, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. But that's different than a temptation. Okay? And a temptation is not from God. In fact, James himself says this. In verse 13, he says, No one, when they are tempted, should think that it is from God. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone by evil. But everyone, or anyone, each one is tempted when by their own evil desire they are dragged away and enticed. A temptation is not from God, but arises from evil desires that are within us that can lead, don't always lead, but can lead to sin in our lives. God is really tempting me with this thing. No, God is not tempting you. All right? The evil that is within you, right? The brokenness that resists, that, that, that resides within you is, is enticing you towards walking away from God in the midst of temptation. All right? Well, you don't have to walk that way. And temptation in and of itself does not have to lead to sin. And finally, this can sometimes be the more confusing one to make a to make a uh, to make a to distinguish between the trial that I'm experiencing and um, and a consequence. Okay, a consequence is a natural fallout from the decisions, the habits, and patterns of your life. If you have made a bunch of bad decisions, if you have habitual patterns of sin. If you have, um, over a lifetime or in a, even in the midst of a, an immediate circumstance, made decisions, said words, entered relationships, treated another person, did this or did that, and now you are suffering the consequences of the decisions that you have made, you are not going through a trial. 
you are suffering the consequences of the decisions that you have made. And there's a difference between how we address a situation that is a trial and a situation that is a consequence. A consequence is a thing that we must repent and turn from and walk away from. A trial is something that the Scripture describes is that we must embrace and that we must learn from and that we must carry and that God is going to use to do something significant in us. It's a tool of God. A consequence is a fallout from our sin. And they are different. Okay? I'm going through... I mean, I think the the classic answer is this. I'm going through a significant trial. Going through a very significant trial. And, uh, and, well, let me me say it like this. Let me say it like this. Let's first ask the question, how do we... How do we know which one we are experiencing? How do we know which one we're experiencing? How do I know if I'm experiencing a trial, if I'm experiencing a temptation, or if I'm experiencing a consequence? James tells us, okay? He, spe- he tells us specifically in the midst of like dealing with a trial. He says if anyone lacks wisdom, right, they should ask God who gives to all without finding fault. Now, this is not just like one of those situations where like, I mean, so I went to college, right? Did undergrad work, and then I did like graduate work. These times, all right, like where in as much as you can stay out late partying at a school where you're studying ministry, right? And you have a test the next morning. And you walk into the classroom and you're like, oh my gosh, Lord, you say in your word, if anyone lacks wisdom, you should ask and you would give to anyone. Like, I really need the pro- that promise now, Lord. I really need wisdom in this moment. That Not the context that James is experiencing here, right? Not the, con- the context here is that, hey, the context is a trial, but we don't know what's going on. And so what do we do to get wisdom in the middle of a difficult circumstance? We do the thing that is most obvious, but that we often forget is, hey, how about you ask God? Number one thing in being able to distinguish, what am I experiencing? Am I experiencing a trial? Am I experiencing a temptation? Or am I experiencing a consequence? Ask God. He promises to give you wisdom regarding the thing that you're going through without, it says, finding fault. This is in verse 5 of James. If any one of you lacks wisdom, they should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. This little phrase, without finding fault, is a, um, in the Greek, if you, you'll see that it like, it gives the analogy of someone, someone who finds fault is like someone who sinks their teeth into you. That's the picture that is like associated with this phrase here. Right? So, so when we ask God in the midst of a difficult circumstance, hey, Lord, give me wisdom as to what's going on, the Scripture says is like He doesn't give you the answer as one that's finding fault. He's not going to sink His teeth into you as you ask Him for wisdom about what's going on. Like, hey, why are you asking this? 
Like, get over it. Just deal with it. Like, you're, you're being a baby. Man up. No, it, it, it denotes that God is, is gentle and he's, and he's patient and he's free with the wisdom that helps us to make the determination about what it is that we are experiencing. He's gen- it's a gentle answer, not a harsh one. Lord, what, it, what is going on right now? What am I experiencing? What is the nature of what is going on in my life? Because I can't see clearly and I don't understand. And God is, I've said this many times to you, that God is very eager to answer prayers that bring us closer to him, right? That give us increased discernment about what he's doing in our lives. Lord, give me wisdom about what you're trying to do or what I'm experiencing in his life. That is a prayer that God answers in abundance. So you can ask God, number one, what am I going through? Hey, I know Captain Obvious, right? Ask God. He's going to answer. All right? Number two, a little bit less obvious, all right, but still very good. Ask a godly, trusted friend. Ask a godly and trusted friend. You know why? Because they already know the answer. Because the things that we go through, we go through with a distance of like, here's the thing and here's us. Right? And if you hold your hand this close to your face, it's almost impossible to even see your fingers. You just see a blob. Right? And so it's difficult to determine what is even, what, what's even going on right here. Right? But when we ask someone over there who is a trusted godly friend, who is, who is speaking on the basis of like gospel-centered relationships, right? So they're, they're not wanting to do harm to us. They're not wanting to just point out all the bad things that are happening in our lives. They're, they're not going to be holding it over our head. They're not going to be telling others around it. They're a, they're a godly, trusted friend. But they're out here, right? So they can see clearly what's going on. And the things that we're unable to see in the midst of difficult circumstances, those around us are able to see usually exceptionally clear. And if, if there's any advertisement for like participation in small groups or participation in a gospel-centered community, this is it, right? Because we have those around us who we know love us and that we trust, and we entrust our situations to them so that when we ask, they can speak into our lives and speak into our heart in a way that gives us clarity about what God is doing. But the most, I think the most important, one of the most important things when we ask, whether we ask God or we ask a friend, is this, all right? I want you to hear me very, very clearly because the word is very clear about this, okay? Make sure you want to know the answer. Serious. Make sure you want to know. And make sure you're willing to hear the answer, even from the trusted God leader. Well, he's not God, so he doesn't really know. Well, you're right. Not God, so he doesn't really know. Okay? But you've asked of them because they're trusted and they're godly and they have the Spirit of God in them and they can see your life for what it is and what it isn't. And, and you may be deceived about what's going on, but you can see it very clearly. 
Make sure you want to know. Look at verse 6, James says. But when they ask, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Don't, don't take this whole like, well, okay, God, but I really just don't think that's what it is. I really just don't. I got a different idea. You must believe and not doubt because those who doubt are like waves of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. I get the picture of this boat adrift in the sea in the middle of a storm, right? A rudderless ship is the person, right, who receives wisdom from a godly friend, who receives wisdom from the Spirit of God about their situation, and says, but yeah, but uh, I just don't think so. I think it's something different. You are a ship at sea without a rudder, and you are in danger. You are in danger. If you are not willing to heed the Spirit of God, and you are not willing to heed godly counsel over your life, you are in danger. And in fact, James goes on to say it's like you are not just in danger, but you are a double-minded person who should expect to receive nothing from God. Because you asked, you didn't listen, right? And now you're experiencing a consequence. That person should not think that they will receive anything from the Lord. They are double-minded, unstable in all that they do. Verses 7 and 8. Make sure you really want the answer. And I think maybe we could take it just a step further. Make sure you are willing to re- like to respond to the answer. right? Because knowing and responding are two different things. Make sure you're ready to respond to what happens. Remember how we said that sometimes trials, temptations, and consequences are, they're, they're not the same, right? But they can be connected, okay? Large pill alert, right? Sometimes... Other people's consequences can be our trials. The decisions that people make, the habits, patterns, and directions that people take can cause, especially when they're, especially when they're beloved of us, can cause significant trial in our life. I've shared with you some of you, most of you, I think, briefly, that my, my relationship with my mom passed away. It'll be almost three, it'll be three years in October. She, um, she lost her battle with addiction. And, uh, and that was a significant trial for me. A significant trial to experience that, to continue to experience that, to ask the Lord or to see what the Lord was doing in, in my life, in the life of my family, you know, through, through that. Right? My mom made decisions. She made decisions about how she was going to, to process her pain. She made, she made decisions about how she was, um, how she was going to be in relationship to other people, how she was going to be in relationship to, 
to me and my, my, my siblings, right? How she was going to be in relationship to, to the world and to work, like how she, how she was going to handle it. She made, she made decisions, and those, those decisions were her own, right? And she, she was suffering the consequences of those decisions all the time, right? And she suffered the ultimate consequence of that decision. It wasn't my consequence, right? Her decisions were not my consequence, but her consequences certainly turned out to be my trial, right? And I'm not going to own the consequences of a person that I love. Right? But I can receive the work that God is doing in me because of their consequences. I can, I can see and I can receive and I can embrace and I can hold up and I can stand up under the significant work that God desires to do in my life because of the sometimes bad consequences or bad decisions of other people. And God is big enough. This is what's amazing, right? This is the the redemptive thread throughout the story, is that God is big enough to use the extraordinary brokenness of other people's lives to, to produce extraordinary righteousness and holiness and trust and faith in ours. If we're willing to receive and embrace it. Okay? So, back to the beginning, right? We've laid the groundwork. We know that it's a trial, right? It's not a temptation. It's not a consequence. It's not my consequence or that, like, I'm experiencing a trial. I'm going through something difficult, something that has been allowed by God that if I embrace it, can be a significant tool to my maturity and to my growth. But now what? Now that I'm here, and I know that it's a trial, now what? What do I do? Because knowing that it's a trial doesn't make it really any easier in the moment, right? It's still difficult. It's still hard. It's still, sometimes the pressure and the weight of it can feel like a... Someone's sitting on your chest, right? And you, it's hard to breathe. Now it's interesting because what James does here is he doesn't give us a step-by-step, um, he doesn't give us a step-by-step process of making it through or experiencing a trial. He doesn't. What he actually does in this moment is he, he simply describes the successful completion of the trial. He assumes that it's, been, that it's over and that it's been successfully completed, right? I'm through this difficult circumstance. And so then he kind of rhetorically answers the question, what did it take to get through the difficult circumstance? First, how does James, how does he communicate what the successful um, completion of the trial actually looks like? What does it produce? What was the end goal? He says it in verse 4, right? Perseverance must finish its work so that, all right, listen, what is at the successful end or completion of a trial? So that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. He describes, hey, 
Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you experience trials of all kinds of t- all kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. He describes what happens when we've stayed, when we've embraced, when we have not moved from that place, that we will be mature and complete, not lacking anything. How many like feel like that's a pretty good place to be? Mature and complete, not lacking anything. Yeah, that's a place that I want to go. That's a place that I want to be. That's a person that, that like I want God to transform me in. Well, how do I get there? How do I get there? You may have a different... Uh, you may have, in my, my uh, Bible, I read out of the NIV, it says perseverance. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Anyone have a different word in their Bible? Endurance, right? Some, some, um, some translations will say steadfastness, right? That, it's a, that, it, that, that perseverance is necessary, that endurance is nece- necessary, that steadfastness is necessary. So how do we get to that place of being mature and complete, lacking nothing, the word there in our English is either perseverance or endurance or steadfastness, right? The word that James uses is a, is a root word. Um, you know, I like, I don't care if you know Greek. You don't need to know Greek to hear from the word. But, but this, this word is important here, okay? The word is hypomene, okay? It's a Greek word, H-Y-P-O-M-E-N-E, right? Hypomene. And the literal translation of the word that James uses here is to remain under. To remain under. So when, <laughs> when James begins to describe the successful completion of the trial, he says that the, the pathway to be mature and complete, not lacking anything, is to remain under the trial, to remain under it. All right, a little large pill alert again. Large pill. You get to the place of mature spiritual completion by remaining under the significant weight of the trial. You remain under it. This is a big, fat, large pill to swallow. Okay? Big, big, fat, large pill to swallow. Why? Well, because what have we been told about every single very difficult circumstance or issue or trial that, you, that we experience? Man, like, get out from underneath that. You're going through something difficult and you've asked the Lord for wisdom and He's communicated that it's a trial, that it's something that He's using to bring you to, to mature completion, spiritual completion, right? Some, some translations say perfect in anything and everything, right? I'll be like, wow, this is really heavy. Uh, like, th- this hurts. This is painful. I got to get out from under this thing as soon as I possibly can. And so we do everything that we can to escape from it, to run from it, to get over it. And we use virtually every means at our 
disposal to do so. We distract ourselves, right? We drown ourselves in work so that we don't have to think about what's going on. We throw ourselves into taking care of our children. And so we don't have to think about what's going on. We endlessly and 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 endlessly scroll. 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 Until we've gotten to the point where we're like, I don't even I don't even know what I looked at the last half hour. But I know that the last half hour it was gone and I didn't think about anything else. Sometimes we try to make it go away by drowning ourselves in some kind of substance. Alcohol, drugs. We 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 lose ourselves in a relationship. Whatever we possibly can do to escape, maybe not physically from the difficult experience that we're going through, but we escape mentally, we escape emotionally, we run and hide from the truth that God is trying to press into our lives. Because we've been told that there is absolutely zero redeeming qualities to the difficult things that we go through, so you've got to get away from it as quickly as you can. That is absolutely opposite to the truth of God's word here in James. Is that, is that actually, instead of running and hiding and escaping mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, however, that we can remain under it and allow it to finish its work so that we may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Remaining under, verse 4, perseverance, endurance, steadfastness, remaining under must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. When the pressure is on, when the pain is immense, when the burden is heavy, the upside-down wisdom of James is to let it finish its work. Let it finish its work. Because there is perfection coming from the pressure. There is, there is refining that is coming from the heat of the fire. There is growth and maturity that is coming that only comes from remaining under. How do I know when it's over? The same way that you know when it starts. You ask God. You ask Him. I know this is, this seems so obvious, but it also seems so foreign. Anyone else sense that? Like it just seems so obvious to ask God. It also seems, what? So ridiculously foreign, like, well, why would I ask him? 
Why would I ask him? Maybe because we've conditioned ourselves not to hear, right? And and not hearing, right? Listen, I want I want you to get this connection. Not hearing from God is not a factor of whether or not He's speaking. Not hearing from God is a factor of how how hard have we been trying to escape out from under the trial. Drowning ourselves in white noise to keep our mind, our body, our spirits in a frenzy from feeling what we're, what God is trying to do in us, right? And so then when we go, the concept of asking God to speak to us and us actually hearing Him is so foreign because we've never, we've not allowed the Spirit of God, the voice of God to speak clearly because we've been so scared of what we were experiencing that we were drowning and hiding it in a myriad of things in life. And going through a significant trial and remaining underneath it so that it can finish its work is not just something that is necessary, like, it's not just necessary that we grit our teeth and bear it, but you must be tremendously courageous. It takes courage. It takes courage to look it in the face and say, it is heavy, and it is hard, and it is difficult, and I refuse. I refuse to put the trial on mute. I want it on full blast, Lord. Let it finish its work as quickly as possible, please. So that I may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I've been through my fair number of trials. I'm not alone in that. Everyone has been through their fair amount of trials, right? I'm not special in any way. But sometimes, in the midst of trial, um, in the midst of anything difficult, and if we don't have a if we don't have a pattern or a habit of this, it can become increasingly difficult, right? To to even like have the breath to say the things to God that I need to say in order to get wisdom and clarity. They're like, I don't have the breath to say it, Lord. But my like my spirit is my spirit like it's grumbling, Father. Like I know that there's something that needs to get out. I don't know how to get it out. Allow me, if you will, the 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 honor, right? Like to give you to give you something to pray. Right? There are many things that you can pray, right? Um, I, I would say that if like one, if you if you have a sense that you're experiencing something that may be a trial, that the, the very first thing that you should pray is, Lord, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom regarding what this is so that I know how to embrace it and move through it, right? Because if you're going through something and it's a, it's a consequence of the decisions that you make, just enduring it is not the right, is not the, it's not the prescription, the prescription for consequences is that we repent from the things that we've done and we, we turn by faith to Jesus Christ who leads us in a transformative direction, right? 
But if the Lord is like, no, this is a this is a trial. It's not because of anything in particular that you have done or 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 not done. It's something that's being pressed down upon your life that I'm asking you to remain under. And if you're willing to embrace it and listen to me in the process, it's going to make you mature and complete, not lacking anything, right? And God is God will tell you if you want to know and if you're faithful to listen and act when he does, right? So the first thing that we must do is we must ask God, who gives to all wisdom without finding fault, right? If you, don't, if you feel like you don't have any clarity past then, then ask a, ask a trusted friend. Ask someone that you know has a, has a Jesus-centered perspective on life. It is gospel-centered through all that they do. And allow them to speak in your life. And then listen. Listen. And then when, the, when or if you get this answer, Lord, okay, it is a trial. Okay. Don't like it. Not my favorite. <laughs> my kids say all the time, right? We put something down on their dinner plate that they don't like. This is not my favorite, Dad. <laughs> I got it. Okay, I get it. Right? It's not my not your favorite. Okay. Um, let me offer this prayer on your behalf. And if you want to screenshot it or if you want to like we want to throw maybe we can throw this up on social media this week um, for you. You know, it's not wrong to pray prayers that you see on a screen or that are already written. Like, well, geez, that's not from the Holy Spirit. I don't know, the Holy Spirit gave it to me, all right? So let me give it to you. Okay. Heavenly Father, I know that what you are doing in me is for my good. In your glory. I receive by faith the future you have in store, even if I don't see or understand it now. Give me eyes to see how you are moving and perfecting. Protect me from becoming bitter, hopeless, or numb. Keep my spirit sensitive to yours that I may believe and not doubt that this trial will not last one second longer than needed to do in me the good work that you've planned. I trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. There is hope. There is an end. The hope that we have is in Jesus. The comfort that we have is in his spirit with us. The pathway that we have is in the context of gospel community, people who love us and will put their arm around us and walk through us, or walk through a trial with us in the midst of just significant pressure and pain. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, pray us um, pray here at the end of the sermon. I want you to sit tight though, you know, don't shuffle out of your seat too much. We're gonna welcome um, our conduit kids director Brandon up front. Uh, she's gonna share a little bit uh, with you about the conduit kids ministry, um, and then uh, we'll close um, with some more worship. 
Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for speaking to us through your word. 